Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Hey, Singapore family. This is David Kim with Audrey here in Colorado Springs. We're so excited to be able to at least join you guys somewhat virtually. The City Church, we love you guys so much. It's really cold here in Colorado Springs, and we miss Singapore a lot. I think it's been two years since we've been there now. We miss the hawker stalls. Uh, we miss the people. We miss the friends. Uh, we miss City Church. And we're just so grateful to at least share a word with you guys in this moment, at this hour. And as you guys are going through a series on prayer and intercession, we just felt so stirred with faith in our hearts that as God is taking you guys on this journey of prayer and fasting, believing for him to move, that he would meet and encounter you guys at an individual level, but also at a corporate level for the sake of the church, for the sake of all the neighborhoods, for the sake of the whole city, and for the sake of the whole region, larger region. And we're believing that God would do this through your intercession. And so I'm just pleased to join you guys this morning, and I just can't wait to dig into some passages in Scripture and to this topic of intercession. And so I just want to pray and open us up and invite you all to join me in prayer as we're believing right now for a global uh, 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 season of prayer and fasting to see a shift worldwide. So I'm just going to lead us in a moment of prayer. Father, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus that grants us confidence, that has made a way for us to approach the throne of grace in any time of need. And I just thank you for the church in Singapore and the brothers and sisters there at the city church. And Father, I'm praying right now that you would baptize them with a spirit of prayer and a spirit of intercession. Father, I'm asking as they're leaning in, in this season, God, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would encounter them, that you would draw near to them and that they would be possessed with a spirit of burning and a spirit of intercession. Father, I ask largely in these days for the city church, I ask largely in these days for Singapore and for the whole region there in Asia, that the word of the Lord would go forth swiftly and that prayer would happen without ceasing. God, we, we come before you in this moment, and we're asking, do what only you can do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm just so glad. Again, this is a topic that that we love here in Colorado Springs with our ministry, Contend, um, and with so many of our friends and, and family, spiritual family around the world in prayer. I know you guys are hearing from Corey Russell and others, uh, friends, and, and just so excited for this journey that God has you guys on in prayer. And so I'm just going to dig and jump in here. Uh, in this moment, I just felt stirred in my heart to share about not just intercession, but the the topic of sacrificial intercession. One of my favorite heroes in the faith, Leonard Ravenhill, said that sacrifice is the cardinal ethic of Christianity. And when it comes to the place of intercession, and when it comes to the place of prayer, uh, uh, as we're going to explore this morning, it is one of those places that I have longed to explore. I want to I want to just share with you guys a secret prayer. I guess well, not so secret anymore, but a secret prayer that's been on my heart 
has been, God, I want to know what it was like to pray with you in Gethsemane. I want to know what it was like to enter into that circle of intimate friendship where you shared not just signs and wonders, where you shared not just secrets and mysteries, but you shared your anguish. And I've, and I've, and I've long, that's one of been one of the secret prayers of my heart that I've been longing in my life to see. And I may have tasted it in moments, but I just feel the Lord's invitation for you guys at the city church, but just worldwide for the body of Christ to enter into a deeper level of intercession, an intercession, in other words, that will cost us something. If you look at the, the story of Jesus, and I'm just jumping in here, uh, you'll see that he has crowds and multitudes, and then he has 72, and then he has 12, and then there's three of his best friends. And in the most anguishing, darkest, testing moment of his life, Jesus takes three men, really they were boys, and he, he brings them into the, the, to the crushing place, Gethsemane, on the Mount of Olives. And he asks them to pray with him as his friends. And, and that's the place where I believe that God is inviting all of us into as believers. is not just a level of friendship that's outer courts rejoicing and in splendor, but inner courts of, of, of anguish with him. And, and so I, I, I just felt so stirred in my heart to share this morning or in this moment with you all about sacrificial intercession. And this morning I was particularly drawn uh, to the story of Hannah uh, in the Bible. And in many ways you can understand the unfolding redemptive storyline of Scripture to in many ways be the storyline of barren women, of women that cannot bring birth in their own natural strength or have tried in their natural strength to, to bring birth, some of them waiting their whole lifetime to have children, and, and yet God intervening in a supernatural way to bring forth not just a child, but the next stage of history, of redemptive history. I mean, you have uh, obviously, Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah being barren in her old age. You have Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth being barren in her old age, and and so many other stories in Scripture. Rachel, uh, the, the 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 picture of the church as a as a woman bringing forth a child in the in the Book of Revelations, and and as so much of what we see in Scripture is a barren woman that cries out in her barrenness and desperation and brokenness. And God breaking in with supernatural power and miraculous um, conception. And so uh, I, I, I just felt just so drawn to the story of, of, of 1 Samuel uh, as I was praying for you guys at, at the city church. And, and even for myself, I find myself uh, uh, um, wrestling in so many ways uh, of, of the barrenness of, of what I might feel at a personal individual level. But also at a corporate level, as I'm, as we're praying for America and praying for the nations of the earth, praying for Singapore, and the question arises: What do we do when we feel barren as a church? And there might be many great things happening, and 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 in the world of full time ministry, there's always something happening, right? Or in whatever uh, uh, marketplace position that you have, or any other uh, career that you have, or if you're a student, there's always stuff going on 
But then at times we feel a level of, of undeniable barrenness. Even in my own personal life, I could be doing all these things and being be around so many of incredible movements and leaders and people and assignments and tasks and God's doing so much. And I feel a cry in my own heart, God, I want something deeper. God, I want something more real. God, I want to love you like I did at first. And I want to love you a hundred times more than that. Or just even recently, uh, 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 as we've been, you know, ministering to young people, you know, in, as a part of our ministry school, or as we've been going on to college campuses or high schools or, or ministering at different churches, there's been a longing to see the deeper works of God. And, 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 and what I mean by that is, is there's just been a couple of pastoral situations and I, I won't go into the details and and unfortunately, in one or two of these pastoral situations recently, and and uh, uh, if you're serving or, or leading in any capacity, you know the pain of this. It's there's been a, one or two pastoral situations where we've had to be honest with ourselves and with the people and say, "Hey, we love you. We're here for you as a community. That this is beyond us. You know, you need professional help. You need to." Uh, um, uh, seek counsel in a more professional way. These uh, addictive patterns of, of sin and behavior, they're beyond uh, uh, us as a local church and a local community here in Colorado Springs. And I've had to have one or two of those painful conversations recently. And I remember I was, I was at a stoplight and I was just crying out to God, just the grief in my own heart, the, the, the years of this is years unfolding in some of these situations of, of, of prayer and counsel and deliverance and all these things. And I remember saying, Jesus, if you were here, they would have, could have been healed instantaneously. They could have experienced freedom instantaneously. And I just found myself groaning for that deeper measure of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that is so beyond what I'm currently walking in or what we're corporately currently walking in and, and, and just a new cry in my heart came fresh out of barrenness. And sometimes I just want to say this, God brings us even corporately into dimensions of barrenness to produce a different kind of intercession. And that's the story of Hannah here. And, and I'll just read the, the passage uh, real briefly for all of us. But it says, uh, Elkanah, when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and all her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, Peninnah, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord closed her womb. Womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. And so Hannah wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah arose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the temple or sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life 
a razor shall not come on his head. And now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a worthless woman, for I have now spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And then later skips down, And the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, because I have asked him until the Lord. Amen. This is one of the most profound, I believe, passages uh, of intercession in the Bible. And the story of Hannah is this, as we just read together, that there's a woman in her barrenness, that out of her, the scripture says, great concern and provocation because of her distress is another word, or because of her bitterness of weeping is another word, that a different kind of prayer was produced on the inside of her. The scripture says that the Lord closed her womb. There are seasons of wilderness and there are seasons of barrenness. Even when there's great success, even when there's great fruit, sometimes God, even in the midst of all these things going well, will actually produce a barrenness in certain areas of our personal lives or certain areas of our corporate lives or the life of a congregation to bring us back to a place of desperate, uh, 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 provoked intercession, and and this is a this is a, a, a fascinating passage in her barrenness that Hannah begins to pray, and as she begins to pray, she prays not only in a different spirit, in a provoked spirit, but she also prays in a sacrificial spirit. And it said, the scripture says that Hannah makes a vow to the Lord that, that, that the son that she has, the child that she has will be given unto him, unto the Lord, and that he will not shave his head or drink wine all the days of his life. Essentially, he was going to be consecrated from the womb as a Nazarite. And this is a, 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 a passage that's so fascinating to me because as the narrative goes, what you'll see is that Hannah actually assumed she stays home until Samuel is weaned. And then the next chance that she has, she brings Samuel into the house of the Lord, dedicates him to the Lord and fulfills her vows. And then the Lord blesses her with many other sons and daughters. And I believe the, the point uh, of this passage, or one of the points of this passage is in prayer, is this, is that there are times in the place of intercession where we are not just asking for something, but we are also giving unto the Lord as we are asking. What I'm advocating here, or what the scripture is advocating here, is not some kind of a transactional relationship with God. It's not this karmic relationship where we have to sacrifice and do all these things so that he'll love us and then he'll bless us. That's not what it's saying at all. But, but because, because we all know 
that, that, that we are fully accepted in the beloved apart from works, but only by faith. But what we're seeing here is an illustration of a principle that we see throughout the scriptures, and, that, and that's this. Not in the sense of our acceptance, but in the sense of certain breakthroughs. Certain breakthroughs require sacrifice. That is a principle that we see time and time again in the scriptures. Is that there are certain seasons, there are certain situations, there are certain dilemmas and there are certain problems that are so great that what moves the heart of the Lord is a true sacrifice from His people. There's a plague breaking out in Israel in 2 Samuel, 2 Chronicles, or, or 1 Chronicles, 2 Samuel, when David is king. And it's because of David's sin that a plague is breaking out. 70,000 people die. And then David is directed to go up to Mount Moriah, where he makes a sacrifice unto the Lord. And the owner of the field says, Hey, I will give you everything that you need. And David says, Surely I will not offer to the Lord a sacrifice which costs me nothing. And then the Lord responds to that sacrifice. Or we see in Abraham in Genesis 22. And up to this point, Abraham has received from God two or three or four promises from the Lord of many sons and daughters. He finally gets his promise. And then the Lord asks him one morning, Abraham, Abraham, take now thy son, your only son, the son whom you love. Right? And... By the way, that's the first time the word love appears in the entire Bible is when God is identifying Isaac as the son whom Abraham loves. And he, he instructs Abraham to go and offer Isaac on Mount Moriah, which is the very same place that David offers a sacrifice thousands of years later. But, or a thousand years later. But he comes to him and says, Offer up your, your beloved son. And Abraham does not refuse to offer him up. And God, obviously, we all know the narrative, stops him in his tracks and, and says, Abraham, I have seen. And then it says, surely I, I, surely I will make out of you. It is the first time that the conditional promises of becoming a great nation have actually become a guarantee. It's after Abraham uh, makes a sacrifice in a moment that a breakthrough comes forth and suddenly a conditional promise becomes a guarantee for all generations. There are, there are many more other passages that I can, I can bring to light in Scripture, but I want to illustrate this principle once again. There are times in barren situations, there are times in seasons where prayers are being unanswered, there are seasons of difficulty, of thirsting, and hungering, where sacrifice is required in the place of intercession. I love what Leonard Ravenhill says about this passage. He says, Hannah did not give birth to a son. She gave birth to a prophet. Uh, uh, Duncan Campbell, who was a leader of the Hebrides Revival, which a number of you guys will be familiar with, when, when someone asked him, what's the secret to, to revival? What's the secret to moves of the Holy Spirit or the power of God and the inbreaking of God? He said, it's not just prayer. He said these words, God does not answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. 
There are seasons, once again, I, I, I keep saying this because I'm feeling it intensely, even in my own soul. And even as the global church has gone through a pandemic, uh, I, I, I checked with some YWAM missiologists. They said the global growth of Christianity, not by being born into a Christian home or being born into the faith, but being born again or a conversion experience has dropped 30 to 40% over the last two years during the pandemic. In the last two years, it's dropped 30 to 40%. Uh, I believe there's another statistic, uh, again from YWAM, that said that right now, currently, we're at the lowest level of missionaries on the field in over two or three decades we have come to a season of barrenness in the global church in many ways. And, and there's many things that God is doing in the midst of it. But I'm just feeling it intensely for my own heart. I'm feeling it intensely for, in a corporate way for America, but also in the sense of, of, of a global uh, a sense of the growth of the kingdom and the, and the growth of the gospel, uh, a sensing, not just sensing, but statistically speaking, this feeling of God what do we do at a time like this what do we do in seasons like this and I want to say again that there are certain breakthroughs that require sacrifice and every great move of God every great revival every great missions movement has been preceded by seasons of intercession but it wasn't just intercession in a typical way or how do I put it in a religious way in a traditional way where there's, you know, three times a day or 10 times a day, two hours of prayer set, but it was deeper groanings. It was deeper desperations of the heart that paved the way for God to break in. And that's what we see here in Hannah's life is she's struck with a barrenness of her own heart. And she wasn't someone who prayed super loud. Like I pray, you know, with some pretty loud people, Lou, for example, uh, 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 but it wasn't like that. It wasn't the at the top of your lungs, gravelly voice, rocking back and forth kind of prayer. She was silent, maybe even still. Her lips were moving. Yet there was such an intensity that Eli, the high priest, thought that she was drunk. There was such a desperation in her heart that it just kept going and going and being poured out. And I believe that's an invitation that God is having for all of us all across the world in this season to see a breakthrough. And what Hannah was feeling, I dare say, was not just her own barrenness, but the barrenness of the whole nation. You got to understand in this season, 1 Samuel, it's written that there was a famine of the word of the Lord. There was no prophet in these times. The entire priesthood had been corrupted and had gone astray. There was no one pointing Israel. There was no judge and there was no prophet in this generation. And Israel was declining as a nation, straying from her moral foundations, not experiencing spiritual renewal or growth or maturity, or anything like that. There was decay, and decay, and decay, and there was barrenness, and barrenness, and barrenness. And somehow, God found a woman who was as barren as the rest of her culture, and as the rest of her nation. 
and she felt the pain of that barrenness. I want to say that it is easy to medicate the anguish and the pain of spiritual barrenness in our own hearts. When we feel that emptiness, it's easy just to, you know, watch this or watch that. By the way, love the Mandalorian, just finished Book of Boba Fett and can't wait for season three. Um, and, and it's awesome. The Mandalorians were the Nazarite of the Star Wars world. And that may not have made sense to you, but I'm just geeking out here for 15 seconds. But it's easy to medicate in this generation as individuals when we feel that spiritual emptiness and spiritual barrenness to fill it with all these other things. Or when there is a lack corporately, it's, it's easy to get busy in the ministry and the serving, but there's a deeper place that God wants to invite us into to fully take in by His grace, to fully take in the barrenness of a whole generation and the barrenness and the famine of a whole nation. And Hannah, I believe that God was positioning her as a vessel of prayer and intercession, not just for her own barrenness, but the barrenness of a whole people. And again, what Ravenel said, when Hannah prayed, she did not just give birth to a son, she gave birth to a prophet. And there's something that happens out of the prayer life of a mother. For a child that has not yet come. And not just a prayer or a desperate prayer. But Hannah essentially said, I will take the fruit of my answered prayer and I will give it back to God. How many of us receiving the fruit of our intercession would feel the temptation to keep that very fruit. And yet she says, Whatever the fruit of my prayer will be, if there is even fruit, I will give it back to God as a consecrated offering. It wasn't just desperate intercession, but it was sacrificial intercession. That it was a giving back to the Lord everything that He had given to her. And there is that, that, that when that transaction is made, and she prays that prayer, that is when Eli says to her, Go, therefore, in peace. And as she goes home, it says, And God remembered Hannah. And then she conceived. And then she gave birth to a son. I want to, in, I, or I believe that the Lord is inviting us into that place where He Himself was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When He prayed, my soul is anguished to the point of death. Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was numbered amongst the transgressors and he made intercession for them. There is a place of intercession, I believe, that is deeper than a religious formal activity of just bringing petitions before God but actually entering into the barrenness and anguish of the heart of God himself in a place of sacrifice like Jesus did not my will but your will be done this cup shall not pass from me that brings a breakthrough that moves the father's heart so much again not that he would love us more, but that we would join him in the fellowship of his sufferings so that we might experience the power of his resurrection 
in our own personal lives, in the life of our church and congregation, in the life of our own nations. And, and I'm just so struck by Hannah that, that the son that she gives birth to not only fulfills and answers her promise, but begins to take Israel and shift Israel from the age of the judges to the age of the kings. This is the one in many ways that prepares the way for David to become king, who we know is a type and shadow of Christ Jesus. This is the one who was born when the Bible says there was a famine of the word of the Lord. There, the, it says the word of the Lord was scarce in those days. And it says of him that not a single word of his fell to the ground. One woman taking it in, in desperate, barren prayer, embracing that barrenness, not only shifts her own life, but shifts the trajectory of the nation and also brings the next stage of redemptive history into light and into the, into the next stage of unfolding. This is the invitation that God is giving us as a global church. The nations are shifting. There are, are things happening during COVID, during this season, during this moment in the nations, in, in, in your neighborhoods, in your city, that if we were to align with the heart of the Lord, that God would bring us into moments of prayer and intercession, and alignment with this heart to shift the whole thing. I want to share with you guys uh, a story as we're uh, 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 um, talking about sacrificial intercession. It's a testimony that's near and dear to my heart um and and uh to me uh on this one testimony of answered prayer which we've seen many if this was uh, the only prayer in one sense one of the only prayers that i saw get answered it was it was worth the whole journey in god and, and it's a story of my younger brother and, and how he came to the Lord. And uh, uh, both of us were born and raised in a Christian home with Christian parents. I don't know how many of you guys have siblings, sons and daughters, parents who are not saved. Uh, but this is, you know, it's a, it's a family story near and dear to home. And, and I got saved when I was 16, had a radical conversion experience. Um... And my brother, you know, around that time was when his heart was being hardened uh, uh, against the Lord, and 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 from 16 to 18, while well, we were in high school together, and he, and and he was two years younger than me, an increasing hardness of heart. And if you were to ask him later, why did he go to school in Boston? Uh, he said, "I wanted to get away." from my brother, my crazy brother, as far as possible, my crazy, oversaved, bringing religion into every conversation, brother, trying to get me saved in every conversation, brother. I wanted to get away as far as possible. I mean, he wanted nothing to do with God. I remember I would stub my toe and say, oh my God. And he would, he would say, don't say God in front of me. Don't use the word God in front of me. And his heart was so hard. I remember this prayer journey that I was going on and and it actually started with 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 a with a with a uh, time I had uh, with with my mom and and we were at a Chili's together, and this is when my brother was starting to really go wayward. 
Um, and we're at a Chili's together, and that's like a Tex-Mex, you know, chain restaurant in the in the states. And and my brother, or my mom, was talking about my younger brother and all these things that she loved about him and how awesome he was. And I had just picked up my car that he had borrowed, and and it just reeked of weed. And I knew what he was doing uh, all weekend, just with his friends, you know, getting high. And I just kind of cut my mom off at that point, and I said, "Look, mom." You know, first of all, you're always hard on me and easy on on Peter, my younger brother. And I was like, I'm pretty awesome too, uh, uh, um, uh, and whatnot, and kind of a joke. But but she loved him, you know. And I said, and I said, you say all these awesome things about Peter, but do you know? And I just I just went all older brother, prodigal son, you know, the story in Luke. I just went all oldest son on my younger brother and, and how wayward he was and, and how, you know, he was in drugs and he wasn't studying, just partying with his friends and he wasn't a good kid. And my mom, I'll never forget this, changed my life. Tears started flowing down her cheek. She reached her hand over and grabbed my hands. And she said, David, you don't think I know these things. Of course I know, but he's my son and I love him. And something in my heart shifted in that moment. And I began to pray for my younger brother at a level that I had never prayed for before. And, and we would hang out. Sometimes he'd come and visit me when, at my college at Cal. And sometimes I'd fly to Boston and, and, and visit him. And, and, I would, and I would try to get all my friends to pray for him. And, and he was I would end almost every prayer meeting, corporate prayer meeting with, hey, can we just spend couple minutes praying for lost family members and then I would say can we all just pray for my younger brother Peter it really I just set that up so that I could just get more prayer for him I remember you know uh, uh, every time I was I was there or he was he was over I'd I'd wait till he fell asleep and then and then I'd, I'd, I'd come to the foot of the bed and then I'd grab his feet and I'd weep over his feet and I would just say, God, make him a missionary. God, encounter him and save him. I knew he would never listen to my own words but I knew that God could break in at any moment and just just trusting that the Lord would melt his heart. And it did this for years. And I remember at one point, my uh, I was in prayer for my younger brother and, and this never happened before. And, and, and the Lord stopped me as I was praying for my brother to encounter the Lord and, and be saved. And he stopped me and he said this, I, and I just felt him speak to me so strongly. David, how badly do you want your brother to be saved? I said, God, I, I, I want him to be saved so bad. You know my heart. And I, and I felt the Lord speak to me. Are you willing to give up your salvation for your brother? And it was the first time I had considered that. And I remember in that moment, truly weighing that cost. And I remember dialoguing with the Lord in that moment and letting that sink in. And, and I remember replying to him with such hesitation and reserve in my heart. I said, Lord, I want to go to heaven. Hell sounds pretty bad. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you. I want to be with you forever. You know how much I love you, Lord, and I, that I want to be with you for eternity. And I will never forget what I felt the Lord respond to me back. And this is what he said. He says, David, 
you will have your salvation. But you will search for a thousand years in every room. And you will search again for a thousand years in every room. And you will search again for a thousand years in every room in heaven. And you will never find your brother. And I remember in that moment, just so broken, I said, God, give me the grace to pray. Romans 9, where Paul says, I wish if it were possible, I, could, I wish that I myself were accursed or eternally condemned for the sake of, of my kinsman Israel. And Moses, when he's in the, the people have rebelled in the wilderness, and God says, I'm going to destroy everyone and make a nation out of you. Moses comes before the Lord. And he says, Lord, blot my name out from the book of life. Only save this people. Which the Lord answers. And I remember just crying out in that moment, God, I want this grace to pray in this way. Whatever it costs and whatever it takes even if I never get to see the fruit of my own intercession for my brother for eternity, even if I'm separate, if it were possible, if I were separated from God and separated from my brother <coughs> for all eternity, and I would never see that fruit, that it would have been given back unto the Lord, that I would know that he's with him forever. And that night, I remember crying out to God in that way. A few weeks later, I get a text out of the blue. It's from my brother. And I hadn't talked to him about God at this point in two and a half years. Uh, we'd hung out, but no mention of gospel, Christ, God. We just, I just try to you know, build relationship with him. And I get a text out of the blue. And the text reads this. I've given up my drugs and I've given up my drinking. I want to follow Christ. And I remember in being in such disbelief. One of some of his best friends, he texted something similar. They're all texting me. Is Peter messing with us? Is he, is he joking with us right now? They knew him to be an ardent atheist. Myself, just utterly stunned in the weeks and months that followed seeing the fruit of conversion, of genuine, uh, 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 born again, turning from his sins, all of them pursuing Christ. This guy went from zero, negative 100 to 100 in like three weeks, going to all the different prayer meetings in the city of Boston. It, it just seeing that the, what the Lord was doing in that moment. Then, he started planning houses of prayer on, on college campuses in Boston, starting 15 to 20 prayer meetings. Years later, moved to California right now, mobilizing prayer across college campuses in California, getting people to do a 40-day fast. And I'm thinking to myself, how selfish was I in that moment that I was so fixated in my own barrenness for what I could receive. And then something shifted in a moment of transaction where, where I made my own transaction with the Lord, even if it were to cost me, if it were possible to cost me my own salvation for, for, for Peter to get saved. 
And then seeing the fruit of that, not just for him, but for so many hundreds impacted by his life. I want to say today, church, the barrenness that we feel in our own personal lives or in a corporate measure, sometimes it is of the Lord to provoke us into a deeper place of intercession. And I want to say today that there are certain breakthroughs that require sacrifice. There are certain impossible situations that require the most desperate prayer and sacrifice and transaction with God to see breakthrough, not just for our own lives, but breakthroughs for a whole generation. And I believe that in the coming days, what God's going to do is going to supersede what we can dream of or think of. Unto Him who is able to do far more exceedingly and abundantly than we can think or imagine. I want to pray for you all that in this season and in this journey of prayer and intercession, that God would mark your hearts and mine with a deep sense of our own barrenness, a deep sense of our own helplessness in the light of our own hearts, but also in the light of 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 the issues plaguing this generation, of of what's been happening even during COVID. Yes, good things, but oh, for so much more. And that in that place, I believe there's an invitation to enter into a deeper place of sacrifice and transaction, even in the place of intercession, where it's not just prayers that we pray. It's not just eloquent prayers or long prayers. They're prayers that cost us something. And so I just want to say we love you guys from Colorado Springs. We've been praying with you guys, uh, praying for you guys to see God to break in all throughout Singapore and all throughout Southeast Asia. And I just want to pray uh, uh, for you all now as we close. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And I'm asking, Lord, in this season of global pandemic and the crisis of nations, of uncertainty, and yet busyness of heart and soul that can distract us. Father, I'm asking that we would be coming to terms with our own barrenness and provoked by barrenness. God, I ask that you would give us a spirit like Hannah had, that in her barrenness she did not self-medicate or get busy, but she cried out to the Lord. And I'm asking that you would release a cry in the heart of the city church, a desperate cry, a sacrificial cry, to see a breakthrough not only in the lives of people, and I do pray for encounters like they have never known in this season, encounters in the place of prayer and intercession. But I also pray, God, that it would begin to shift things all across the city and all across the whole region. Father, we ask, as Jesus taught us, that you would teach us how to pray in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we love you guys from the States, from Colorado Springs. 
Our whole team here, Lou, sends his love. We're praying for you and believing with you for great breakthroughs. Love you all. Goodbye.